welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we're speaking with Tom Salmon from the DHSOIG, all about quality assurance. So you can think of this basically as the IG's IG, so making sure that uh, all the work products are up to quality and policies and procedures are being followed. It's a very interesting podcast, so without much further ado, let's talk to Tom. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today we have with us Tom Salmon from DHS OIG. Good afternoon, Tom. Good afternoon, Paul. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, today we're going to talk about quality assurance, and uh, at least in the as far as the OIG is concerned, and I think you also work with some non-IG elements over there. So why don't we just start off, Tom, if you could just give us a little background about yourself and what you do over at DHS. Uh, thanks, Paul. I've been a certified public accountant since the 90s, but I've been an audit executive in government since 2007 when I was uh, the state auditor in Vermont for six years, and then I was at HHS OIG for three years, and I've been here at DHS OIG for about four. And I'm I'm happy to be now positioned as the assistant IG for quality assurance, or otherwise IQO, Integrity and Quality Oversight. Okay, so now for the for the layman here, give, give me a little bit about you know how would you define quality assurance, and and you know and how do you all use that over at the IG specifically? Yeah, in simple terms, being we're kind of the IG's IG. Any quality assurance office in an IG is really your internal uh, oversight to ensure that you're helping ensure the OIG meets its mission. And our role has been growing as the organization has increasingly come to depend on it to navigate different challenges. And in essence, the mission is to foster clarity unity and quality quality is the end game but you don't get there without the buy-in of others which is the unity and the commitment to clarity which is honest communication and identification of issues so in order to achieve this mission so you're you're part of the so under the oig it's called the office of integrity and quality or office of integrity and quality oversight or is it iquo yeah iqo yeah iqo there we go so you know, what, how would you describe its mission? I mean, the, the different areas that you cover there. So a lot of the IGs are structured with a large audit component, an investigative component, and also an inspections uh, or evaluations component, also considered special reviews and evaluations, depending on how they're structured. And each, each of those groups have a function where they foster oversight reporting, accountability, they have field offices with compliance requirements. So our group will look at, our main body will look at the investigative quality assurance, looking at their function. We'll look at our audit reports and our audit functions. We'll also uh, have a group that is quality assurance regarding the quality of the reports coming through the process. And we even have another book, another line of business, which is uh, policy strategy and risk assessment, which is, again, it's part of that component of an inward-facing element to assure that we're the strongest we can be as we hold others accountable for them to be the best they can be. In this case, uh, the Department of uh, Homeland Security is our, you know, is our main focus But we, as, as an organization, but our, my office 
is the program office that looks within. And we also look at component offices of, say, professional responsibility, internal affairs, let's say, whether we look at the Secret Service or we look at ICE or um, or we could look at the Coast Guard, some of those things, and, and look at their quality assurance functions as they try to uh, ensure compliance in their investigations for compliance. And then, I know that's a mouthful. Right. No, I understand. And then now, do you also do peer reviews as well? Exactly. We recently finished our peer review of Postal OIG, and that was the process, you know, as the OIGs go through a peer review every three three years. That, that was the audit operations peer review. Uh, starting very shortly, our investigative quality assurance group is going to conduct a, uh, a peer review of, of the Social Security Administration IG, and that's going to be kicking off uh, very soon. And th- those are very important elements of, of trying to ensure uh, that your peers, as well as yourself, are following uh, the established standards, whether they're yellow book standards, which relate to the audit operations, which are promulgated by the Government Accountability Office, or the blue book standards for inspections and evaluations. And all of this relates to what's called the silver book that each OIG office shall establish and maintain a quality assurance program to ensure that work performed adheres to establish OIG's policies and procedures. So there's a real backdrop to the requirement of quality assurance. Now, um, so is that silver book also GAO or who publishes that? That is, um, and I should, speaking of backdrop, mention mention SIGI because the Council of Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency, SIGI, uh, since 1993, established those standards for the Silver Book as well as the quality standards for inspections and evaluations, also known as the Blue Book. And like the Yellow Book, um, GAO, where GAO provides a framework for audits, um, the Blue Book provides a framework for inspections and evaluations. And, you know, when we say standards, we could be talking about competency, independence, professional judgment, quality control, planning, data collection, analysis, evidence, records, maintenance, timeliness, fraud, other illegal acts, abuse, reporting. So there's there's a, a whole roadmap in compliance of uh, of being able to run someone through the test of whether there is compliance in place. Okay. And then do you ever consider any other standards such as like, you know, ISO standards, international kind of standards or things that are out there? We've had discussions with folks, but we, uh, we don't, we don't operate with those. We're just using the standards as mentioned. Okay. Makes sense. Um, well, I mean, it was developed by SIGI, so it seems like it's appropriate. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, all roads, all roads lead to SIGI in essence. I mean, where we're a catalyst for clarity, unity, uh, which leads to quality. I mean, SIGI is really sort of the the mothership of, of being the the catalyst and, and the guide to, to get us there. I mean, no matter what the mission of any OIG or even state auditor's office, it tends to be a mission to be a catalyst for good government and to promote efficiency and effectiveness and integrity in operations. And uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's sometimes it's not a glamorous area, to have a professional standards manual updated and it's 100 pages or 200 pages that's not the stuff that makes headlines but you know when you have a lack of compliance that that makes the headlines so it's it's not glamorous work but i think the people who do it are 
take a lot of pride in. Right. Well, why don't you walk us through what, what one of these reviews would look like? I mean, I think most of us are familiar with audits. You kind of have your laws and regs and you go and do some testing and interviews and make sure people are, you know, see what's going on. But for, this sounds more like a, almost an audit of how an audit is done. You know, is it done to the right standards? Did you have the right, I don't know, evidence gathering approach? I mean, kind of walk us through what, what you're looking at, what's in your audit program, so to speak, when you're looking at doing a quality review. Yeah, well, that's that's a great a great question. I mean, we uh, you know we are looking for issues that are often overlooked by auditors and investigators, uh, possibly that that could show noncompliance in our operations related to um, what we're doing. Is we're looking at the department. We obviously have to be uh, held accountable as as we're holding holding those folks uh, accountable. But to answer your question. When we're looking at ourselves, we're, we're looking at whether the policies, procedures, whether the standards are followed. And there's some of the areas that are in, this, in the category of non-glamorous. We have to make sure that investigations are, you know, are ad- adhering to their case management, evidence, firearms training, investigative procedures. Um, there's, and I can elaborate on investigative work that is out in the field as well. And then some of the things that are overlooked um, that that we try to ensure our own house is in order is, you know, we, we look into the work papers. We look, we'll pick a project and look at how the planning was conducted, the assessing of audit risk, the independent indexing and referencing. And for the layperson, that's to ensure the story that you're telling, the conclusions that you're reaching are tracing all the way back to evidential matter and that an independent person could could look at the whole package and be able to link the statements and the recommendations and positions to the indexing and referencing of fact. We want to make sure we're producing fact-based evidence when it comes to our, our reports and uh, the way we're running our investigative offices. And if I could segue to that, uh, the segue, you know, we have currently nine investigative field offices and, and three headquarters operation operational um, units. So we, we actually send folks out into the field office offices and the sub offices to ensure and trying to get them on a three-year recurring inspection to make sure that they're following, as I mentioned before, the proper use of, uh, we review the investigative case files use of confidential informant and funds information, the use of surveillance equipment, evidence storage, firearm, ammunitions, inventory, training requirements, all the things that we're charging our people to follow, we're making sure that people are actually doing what they're supposed to. So, you know, you're not just reviewing, let's say, audits and investigative products. You're also actually looking at to make sure offices are following policies and procedures. For example, if you're an invest, like you said, if you're investigators, you have to do firearms training. That's also part of your purview. It is. And also we're, we're interested in the culture of quality. That's why we also have a, a strategy policy policy and risk area of um, our portfolio. But in terms of these field office inspections, we're also conducting interviews. We're assessing issues of morale and, 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 uh, stability in these places um and those could be our own field offices as well as going out to reviews of internal affairs offices 
of other DHS c- components. DHS currently has 10 internal affairs programs that are on our inspection schedule. Um, so we try to be as consistent looking at ourselves as we do looking at others. Um, and of course, there's quality standards for digital forensics that are followed as well. Um, so it's it's a it is a fascinating portfolio once you get into it. Now, sometimes people shy away from the quality assurance area because they seem they think it's just um, my last IG. They called the two guys that were in the head of it, knit and pick. You know <laughs> that you're seen <laughs> that you're seen as just coming in and and pointing out what's wrong. But we we've had a very cooperative relationship with investigations as well as audit and inspections, which is now in our shop called uh, Special Reviews and Evaluations. But, you know, we've, we're trying to be as proactive with folks as, as possible, and everybody wants a strong IG. So it's, it's you know, it's I think it's got a much more positive flavor than in the past quality assurance might have had. Right. Well, and I mean, I hearken back to my early days in IG, and I remember writing those reports, and it is a lot of fun because you have to reference every single line of that report to a work paper and evidence, and it's no joke. No, it's 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 quite a web. It's it's quite a web of connected parts that um, most people don't see when they see the the final product. Even short products, some small products have a quite an extensive linkage. Right. Well, I think that's the good news, and that's the the culture of quality for IGs. I mean, you know, at least you know when you're being audited is as unfun as it may be, you know, when that report is done, they crossed all their T's and dotted their I's. It, you know, they're very, you know, you guys are very, uh, very, uh, you know, particular to that. We, I once had a governor's office ask me about a, a, an item where we said, governor, your, your office doesn't have evidence to, to show this $75 million revenue. You have to reverse it. And it was going to cause a fund. And, and it was related to Medicaid, and and uh, somebody else called me from the office and said, "Come on, you're gonna you're gonna line up with us on this." And I said, <laughs> "I said no, we we line up with the accountants, we line up with the standards. I mean, I'm a CPA, but we we line up with the uh, the regulations. And the standard for evidence is it has to be um, sufficient and and real, and it, it couldn't be it was this word of mouth. Uh, and and the governor's office did turn their position around." We kind of gave them a, a deadline to, to provide the evidence. And I will tell you, that day that that got reversed and the governor's office did the right thing, our staff, the quality and commitment, the buy-in of our staff, it was the game changer because it was just, it, we stood, we walked the walk and we stood for quality and uh, we didn't fold any pressure about this or that. So, no, it's fun when it works. Exactly. Well, you know, when you tell our audience here, you know, what, what kind of findings and things do you actually find and, you know, and then corrective actions that you guys recommend? Just give us a flavor. Nothing specific, of course, but, you know, what kind of findings do you do you see out there? Yeah, and in terms of findings, um, you know, whether it's, 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 we haven't, in my, my tenure here, we have not had egregious findings. Um, it's mainly um, a completeness challenge where, you're trying to make sure that that certain training has been accomplished in a certain window. You're trying to ensure that evidence or not, not evidence um, that uh, inventory and case files and everything's are, are uh, have the complete components work on the audit side. And this is where I've seen, even in our recent peer review of postal, um, nothing earth shattering, but we're finding that you have to ensure and, you have to ensure 
auditor competence. And part of that is the continuing professional education. So Mm -hmm. um, it's very, as you know, from your days, you know, it's very serious that people have the, the required amount of hours and that this information is properly tracked to ensure that and, and, and to ensure that your folks are getting proper training as well. But, um, but on the, on the other side, the, the, the bigger picture thing is it on the knit and pick scale, I mentioned earlier, you know, we want to just make sure that the audit is done with proper planning. It assesses audit risk and independent indexing and referencing, as you mentioned, uh, that these things are not overlooked. So these are some of our, let's say non glamorous recommendations as well as always uh, making sure that the, the files uh, have ensured independence. You know, when somebody works on a project, as you know, you can't go audit something your, you know, your, your brother-in-law works, works on or something, you know, there's gotta be some clarity around independence and that's always promoted as well. So these are just, I mean, they're not earth shattering, they're not glamorous, but these are things that you have to be mindful of. Right. Well, and also on, uh, you know, are there things that you recommend auditors, investigators really pay special attention to and, you know, things that may are often overlooked or that you guys find, you know, they would have paid a little bit more attention to this. It would have been a better quality product. You know, what are some tips or tricks, so to speak? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a whole plethora of, of, uh, of, of auditor training or inspector training that is building the writing skills, the elements of a finding, um, the flow of, of, the, the the report as well as the work paper um, construction there's things like that 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 are that are critical and you know some of the things that are happening now is um, we're experimenting with some shorter reports you know alerts and and management inquiries and putting spotlights on things that that are critical um, as well so making sure that uh, people document at least, the flexibility by which they might be doing a report. For example, not every quality report has to be a full-blown yellow book audit. It can be a, a very quick hit on a concern area that needs some quick action to put lights on a situation that is the responsibility of management to, to, um, to address. And so in some cases we will reference or people will reference uh, not n- not necessarily a standard that they followed, but the fact that they have the authority under the IG Act of 1978 uh, to be able to request records and gain information about a matter, uh, small or large, and quickly. Um, sometimes IGs have had difficulty accessing records uh, because of folks really not wanting to or confidentiality claims, things like that. So, uh, again, that's, that's a little... I think even beyond my scope is we're not the report writers per se, but uh, we are seeing people um, working in new areas and and it's exciting. It's making us have to be uh, nimble as well as doing quality assurance on small projects as well. Well, and you know, something I, you know, we're seeing a lot more automation and use of data data analytical procedures out there in the world. Um, You know, when you're, when auditors go out and audit this stuff, I mean, I assume they, they need to kind of be up on the latest, you know, software or trends or, or approaches. Is that something you think, you know, folks need to be trained up on some of these tools or software or even just, you know, kind of things that are become more to the forefront here, automation, things like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that each of the IGs have tried to um, to 
mature their their data analytic capabilities, their use of um, of of um, sometimes using augmented by contractors in order to accomplish some of these goals. Some folks, my last IG HHS OIG was um, very committed to putting in a structure under a chief data officer, and and that made for a lot that has made for a lot of opportunities related to. Um, the audit work, especially when you're dealing with Medicare and Medicaid and, and some of these other programs. Right. So um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how does your, does your work feed into overall OIG policies or planning, work plans, strategy, things like that? Well, being the IG's IG, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty independent, meaning we're not telling people what to do, but we're facilitating. For, for example, we've, we are facilitating the update to the strategic plan, but at the same time, we're, we're facilitating and working with um, following the SWOT analysis. Each of our program offices are creating their own strategic implementation plan, which is linked to a, the organization's um, str- strategic plan, and then seeing where people's performance reports, uh, performance reviews are having a linkage to that strategic plan. So, yeah, we're we're heavily involved in cultural issues related to quality, holding people accountable, and and some of the stuff that's not glamorous, giving it sustained attention with people. And one of the areas is strategic planning, but also strategic implementation by program office, so people know what business they're in and they're engaged in that process themselves. They own it. Now, the second thing is owning policy. Policy for the IG at, at DHS has been a challenge because we've only been an IG since, you know, 17 years ago or so. And as a result, our policies were needing to be updated. Some needed to be pruned. Some needed to be crosswalked from the department and adopted as our own. Plus there's a lot of things that have happened with policy. Um, everything from uh, the telework policy, the change of duty policy, um, the um, grievance policies, I mean, important policies that you can't lay, um, you can't deal with them in a crisis uh, manner. You have to be proactive. So it was incumbent upon somebody to be the quarterback for this policy refresh and updating policies and creating as a vehicle for executives to come together. Uh, And we do that for both policy as well as new jobs, job starts, uh, engagement planning. Um, The same people in my shop that do policy, strategy, and risk, and risk, of course, informs uh, not only the ERM of looking across our organization, but risk decisions related to, or risk information related to uh, engagement planning. So it's it's, it's all related, strategy, policy, and risk, and uh, we have kind of a niche group, a very talented group that that helps uh, shepherd that and impact um, folks across the organization through getting executive buy-in and decision-making and then allowing each member of the employee, all the employees will take a policy and we'll put it out for comment and then we'll bring it back and, and basically um, strength, you know, solidify it and ratify it and, and move on to the next policy. So that again is not a glamorous uh, area. If, if, policy was exciting then it wouldn't be um, what it is today where it takes sustained attention and it it really is um 
it's a big um, sustained lift and uh, but you got to do it absolutely well i just have a couple more questions for you i guess one of you brought up with the risk management so does, does dhs oig have its own erm risk management program or is or, or just is there an overall dhs program dhs has their program and we have um the folks that are in our strategic planning or PSR are also um, doing our OERIM, actually. It used to be um, the Office of Enterprise Risk Information Management. So, uh, yeah, that's an area that, that we're continuing to work toward and, and mature. But it's uh, it's also um, it, it's another area that hasn't been glamorous and it takes uh, it's going to take some additional work for us to to get the org- whole organization working in that direction, so that we're all it's everybody's job. Risk is everybody's job, and and that's like quality, getting people to buy in and feel that they're owners of risk, they're owners of quality, and uh, that we have one team, one fight across multiple program offices is is incumbent. Yeah, it's interesting because I've you know I've seen that. For example, HUD and State Department, they have their own IG ERM programs, even chief risk officers. So, you know, it seems like they're really taking that to heart. So if the agency is going to have a program, then IG needs to have one too, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So practice what you preach kind of thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely, Paul. So really my last question for you would be, um, so if you're the IG's IG, then then who's your IG? Who <laughs> is anybody reviewing yeah. your work products? Yeah. Um, the, you know, in terms of who's, who's my IG, um, I mean, I think that we're, you know, we're constantly, um, you know, reviewed by the deputy inspector general and, and, and bring our, uh, our efforts to, to their attention. But no, we, we haven't had a, a peer review of our work, uh, per se. We work with others in the community, but, um, again, we're pretty much a maturing area. We've only been in, in, in formation for about six years at our at RIG, this quality assurance uh, platform is and it's ex- expanded. Uh, so no, we haven't had people um, audit us per se. Right. Well, there's always GAO, right? I guess they could come on by. <laughs> oh yeah, the door is open. You know, no sign. <laughs> well, good. Come well, on in. Yeah. Well, Tom, this was great talking with you. I think uh, you made a, a subject very interesting here. I thought it was more interesting than than you were telling me here. So you know, hey. <laughs> This is it sounds, no. like, it sounds like an interesting area, and of course, I like you know audit, so that's my personal preference too. Oh, great, Paul! Well, it's fun when it works, you know. It's uh, and it's exciting to work with professionals who are really dedicated to improving the culture of uh, of compliance, culture of care, the culture of unity, and all that then leads to uh, to quality. You know, if you can really get uh, this team commitment, then it's it's fun. It's fun when it works. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Tom. All right. Thanks, Paul. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at aga.org. have a little podcast page there with plenty of older ones you can check out. And, of course, newer ones coming up soon. We'll probably have a couple at the PDT that we'll be recording. So uh, join us down there. But if not, you can tune in afterwards and listen in on some of our... uh, Yes, that we interview down there. So until next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Account